everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and I'm wearing my special swamp gas shirt uh, tonight. Um, so I want to thank you all for tuning in. This is a real, this is a special show because of sort of, it's kind of a fluid topic right now in uh, these uh, shoot downs and what better guests uh, could I possibly have on than a former fighter pilot along with an astronomer, Chris Leto and Mark D'Antonio. They're coming right up in just a second. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And uh, yeah, so this is a this is a balloon gate. And I thought, what a perfect thing to say. This is a balloon gate. What the heck is going on? We're going to be talking all about that. And I, I love this graphic right here. Uh, let's see. Yes. I think it's funny. I hope you're getting a good laugh out of it. I'll probably put it in the show notes as well. Um, so uh, I want to thank everyone that supports the show. Anyone can do that over at podcastufo.com. And this is uh, the uh, blog that was done this week is, is a second in the series. I think there's going to be more. And this is called UFO Abductology Under Attack, the First Shards Fired. It talks all about um, the different people that have got involved in uh, the, the UFO abduction topic. And again, it's the second one in the series. Check that out over at podcastufo.com. Without further ado, I'm bringing in the handsome and well-dressed Chris Leto. Welcome to the show. Hello, Martin. Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Yeah, you bet. You're, you're used to being the host. That's why you said that. So, and, uh, and Mark D'Antonio. Mark, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks, Martin. Good to see you. Chris, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, Mark. You're doing that Brady Brady Bunch type of thing. You you got that down. He, he knows how to... The reason well, it's hard to do, yeah, is because it's everything's reversed. opposite. Everything shows opposite. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, once you get that in your head... This it, way, it's, I'm actually pointing to... To the yeah, to the middle. Oh, what you mean? He's there. You're, you're, he's there. You're there. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So we get. Yeah, it that's works. right. So I think we are. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just uh, Chris wasn't aware, but you know, last week I talked about it. I was lucky enough to be actually under the balloon, and for just out out of my car for five minutes when that got shot down, and, and witnessed the whole thing, which was really exciting. And but, uh, but more is happening, and. You know, there's uh, I, I I think the uh, you know a lot of the UFO world out there on Twitter, especially you see there's all kinds of theories and things going all over the place. So I I I would like to have a nice balanced look at what we think is going on. I said all along, and I've got some criticisms of it, but I don't think it's alien. But I'm going to keep an open mind. I mean, be, the reason I want to say that is because uh, about what is it '90s. 7% or 90 some odd percent of everything that starts out as a UFO is explained. And so I'm thinking it's possible that's the same, going to be the same type of thing with these things that are shot down, but I have no idea. And uh, we are here to talk about it. I don't know who wants to take it first. Well, I mean, I, I just, because you brought up how um, 99% of these things are known, um, the thing to understand in the case of these objects, all right is let's take it on the path of what they could be, okay? They could be more spy balloons, okay? And we know for a fact that there was at least one, and it was here, and it was shot down off Myrtle Beach. You captured it, uh, which was a great capture, by the way, and thank you for sending it to me because I really enjoyed seeing that. Uh, 
And there it is. Yeah. And um, the second thing they could be, if they're not uh, like another spy balloon, is they could be an actual weather balloon. Now, a couple of things make me think that's possible. First of all, when you look at these normal weather balloons, when they're launched, they when they launch the, the, the latex ones, the ones that typically are, are launched are probably around uh, five to six feet in diameter at the ground. But by the time they get into the air and they expand in the upper atmosphere, they could be the size of a car, right? And so that is interesting because that's exactly the size they said this other one was. It was the size of a car. Well, that made me think, was that a maybe a mistaken weather balloon? You know, because and 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 Chris will probably even say, you know, when you're approaching something at a, at a at the hundreds of miles an hour you're effectively approaching something that's not moving if it's a balloon. And so if you're approaching it, it, it you have split seconds to figure out what you're actually looking at. Uh, so I imagine that that makes the identification very, very difficult. You don't have time to say, oh, it looks like it has a payload. They think I saw an iPhone. <laughs> you know, you don't have time for that, I don't think. Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with uh, Mark, especially after this last uh, the Lake Huron sighting. He basically says, you know, the guy says it's it's difficult to see. It's about the size of a four wheeler. Uh, and if you let me share my my screen here, Martin, I yeah, can yeah, show you the ahead. balloon that we launched. Yep. Just since Mark Mark uh, mentioned the the weather balloon, so this is the weather balloon that, that we basically launched uh, last June. This was we launched two: one from Vernal um, from Vernal, Utah, to launch the UAP Society, and one from Germany to launch the Sky 360. And that's uh, what you're, I think what, what Mark's talking about is, this is at the ground level. Um, and so that's about how big it is. And this will expand to actually 36 feet across. So 12 meters across up at 110,000 feet. And then it will uh, break. Um, and the the wire, uh, the lines actually, you know, there was, I believe four lines coming down to our <coughs> payload. And so you had the payload below it. Uh, I can play this actually yeah, here. Make oh, it yeah, more sure. interesting. Yeah. So is there there is a payload on that of some Yeah, type? you'll see it right here. So first there's a parachute. So this is the parachute, right? So yeah. this goes up to 110,000 feet, blows up. It, it gets to the size, you know, 40 feet across is pretty big. This is your parachute. Wow. And then we have a payload here. I think it, it could be up to uh, uh, three kilograms, I believe. The most expensive part was the helium. So the helium, mm. it, it was kind of, we were kind of in a restricted helium time. And that was about um, maybe uh, $900, I think, for the helium. And then Gee. the payload, actually, I have the payload over here. Uh, I can go grab it uh, in a second. <laughs> yeah, if you close it, I'll go grab it. Yeah. I've seen, you know, they have these uh, kits online that you can buy to send. Uh, that was the... You know, besides a spy balloon and an actual weather balloon, you have these, which are uh, civilian-launched uh, uh, balloons to space, and you can buy the kit. And I think that's probably what you did, right? Yeah. So we we because they have it, you can build it all yourself, right? But this uh, this came in a special kit. It just makes it so easy. And, and we planned this right. whole thing in in about a month. It was really Alexei Novitsky did did all the work basically. Um, so this is your the payload. You know, it basically comes in, a, you have all your cameras in here, so everything kind of set up. 
So yeah. we had an iPhone going down. <laughs> we, we wanted to live stream it. And then we had uh, uh, also our sensors. Um, there was a megahertz, gigahertz detector in there as well. Um, so yeah, this is this is a payload, which is normally going to hang down by these lines, right? And so you'll see these, basically these lines. And so I don't know, that could have been, at least this is uh, what we had as our weather balloon that we sent up. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, this is uh, directed at e either one of you. As um, it, it seems to me that they were talking about that these, um, the, at least a couple of objects, they saw, well, one was a cylinder shape and one was octagonal. And so, but they're not talking about balloons. And I'm not saying it was like a structured object, but it makes me wonder, you know, um, they said no, no source of, uh, uh, they didn't understand why it was floating or something. I thought I heard something like that. Am I, uh, or read something like that. Am I getting that part wrong? No, I, I heard you. I heard that. I read that part of the story and, uh, a story and it said, uh, yeah, they couldn't understand why it was floating. And the next thought in my head was helium. Okay. Cause I thought it might've been a balloon. Okay. Cause you know, Occam's razor, right? I mean, <laughs> Sometimes the simplest explanation is the correct one, and we want to exhaust all of those expect expected results before we wander down the true unknown path, right? So you put these things through a real rigorous analysis, and then what comes out of that funnel of analysis at the bottom, if it falls into your hand, that's a true unknown. See, there it is right there. You can't, and you can't do anything with it, okay? Maybe you may not understand it. Okay, because our science may not be able to penetrate if it's a true unknown at this point, but at least we'll know it's a true unknown. And I know, I know for a fact that our armed services see these things. I mean, you, you remember my story, okay? And and it's not just my story. It's the story of many other people who were in the submarine force. I wasn't. Uh, I was a privileged guest. And we actually saw, they saw, a very fast-moving object underwater that was moving several hundred knots. Okay. Was that a, mach a machine anomaly? Well, you might say that maybe, but it did leave a trace on the on the sonar. They were able to deduce its bearing and range. They were able to give it a, a, a speed. And then when I did a job for the Joint Chiefs four years later, I asked one of the chiefs, what can you tell me about this fast mover program? And I kind of was hesitant. You know the story. And then yep. he said, I can't talk about that program. I'm sorry, Mark. <gasps> I was in D.C. when I was asking him this question. I was driving home like this. Holy cow, it's yeah. real. Holy cow, it's real. He didn't, he didn't say it didn't exist. That's right. Yeah. And see, but see, that's the thing, right? And and you know, guys like Chris, you know, they they fly fighter jets. And I think that his job is to keep himself safe and, and bring the hardware back and to do the mission, carry on the mission, right? And so he's gonna do that to the best of his ability. Obviously, he did a good job. <laughs> there he is. He's okay. There. Yep. That's right. And so I think that that being the case, um, you know, we can defer to what they see in the cockpit over something that I think. All right. So uh, when we talk about the Nimitz incident, right, they say, well, you know, Fravor talks about these particular tic-tac shapes and the way that what they were doing. Okay. I analyzed all the videos that were released so far that were released. None of those videos uh, are definitive. You can't look at any one of those and say, aha, smoking gun. Right, they all have problems, and they all could be other objects. All of them so far. I analyzed the three, uh, that's it. But there's some others, 
from uh, you know a ranch that had some interesting uh, you know characteristics and stuff like that. And it's very tempting to say they're just balloons. I get it. All right, but the fact is, you have to be open minded. I am, and as you know, open minded enough to know that maybe they're not all balloons. This octagonal shape one. The octagonal shape was that something that the the pilot said as he was zooming by at several hundred miles an hour, um, or you know, and the cylindrical shape again, same thing. So how? What's the quality of that observation? Right, we'd right. like to know. And was it filmed? Chris, do you think it would be filmed, something like that? Yeah, well, I just did a live stream of the Lake Huron audio. Oh, yes, so I, I heard the audio. audio I can there. play a minute of it, and he describes it, actually, this most recent one. Um, yeah, go ahead. Can you play that? I yeah, think let, me, let me bring it up quickly. And uh, I think I wrote down when he, when he describes it. Don't they have to have, I mean, it's, the video is being captured if they're going to be intercepting, right? That was yeah, huge. on all of all of our missions, we turn on the tapes. Yep, so they, they should, it's all recorded. And they say in here that they lock it up with the targeting pod. And uh, the, the missile has a good track on it. So the missile's tracking it. He just can't tell what it is with his eyes because they have to fly by it so fast. Mm. Chris, I just saw you shut off the audio on the, on the film itself. Oh, sorry, did it shut off? I thought I turned I just it off. Okay, there it is. Okay, good. Did you hear that? He says it's so small and, and um, going so slow, you can't see it until you're so close. I'd be more worried about hitting it before I, I knew it was there. So I don't, I, I couldn't tell if he says octagon shape there. That may be where he said it just before he said, he said octagonal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before that. And he says he was looking for strings. He couldn't really tell if there were strings. And by four wheeler, does he mean an ATV? Yeah. Okay, so not like a four-wheeler or a four-wheel drive car, but an ATV. Yeah, that's what I understood it as a four-wheeler. Okay. That's what I understood. And then I think it's just another 10 seconds. I'm just giving a shot. We got plenty of time with the lake. But we just want to agree that it's just a bird dog. Yeah, so it, it basically says um, I'm able to pick it up about a mile away, and then you know, 15 seconds later, he's passing it. So basically, yeah. they, you'd have to, and it's very difficult to see. So it sounds like it's really small. So they can get, they can see it with the targeting pod, and it sounds like it's shaped like a container, is what he says, shaped like a container uh, with strings hanging down. But it looks like nothing is attached to, to those strings. So Should I remove I don't, this that? one, this one particularly, because it's going with the wind. You know, they're tracking it with the wind. It's small. It sounds like it's a balloon. You know, the other ones are more interesting. The one, the one over uh, Dead Horse. Oh yeah. So, yep, I can. Uh, well, that that one that has the strings hanging down. It's almost like it lost the payload. Yeah, exactly. Like it lost the payload. That's that's what I was saying. Is you know if. These could it be these strings? Exactly. Yeah. Hang on a second. Um, oh yeah. Okay. I, I don't and, know. And, um, 
And they're mad this at how many hundreds of dollars running. of helium they lost. <laughs> yeah, this was the cylinder one that's shaped like a cylinder. F-22 shot down over the ice. So somewhere on the sea ice, they're out there um, looking that around. And then the uh, final one, basically, they launched out of Elmendorf. So this was shot down. F-35s initially went in and investigated it. And the first F-35 or one of the F-35 set his sensors. It was kind of messing with his sensors. And they said this was shaped like a cylinder. So that one's pretty cool with me. And that was at 40,000 feet. But um, And then the next, uh, I guess, the next day, so later on Saturday, um, they launched out of Elmendorf here. And this is where they flew into Canada, into the Yukon. And so somewhere over here in the middle of Yukon is where they shot down. Um, and I've heard no information on this one. I don't know anything on this one, altitudes or what it looked like or anything. But I know the, the special forces are going there, the Canadian special forces. It's well, there's debris for sure. So, and, and this was a, that was a joint one, right? It, wasn't it that uh, Canada asked the U.S. to shoot it down or something like that? Yeah, NORAD um, was involved, <clears throat> um, I believe. And... Yeah, they, 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 that's right. Uh, they did ask the U.S. to shoot it down. And Chris, uh, before the show started, I believe before the show started, I don't think it was during the show, you said that the, uh, the Sidewinder was probably unarmed when it hit the balloon and just used like a torpedo type of situation, not a torpedo, but a harpoon, uh, harpoon type of situation. And do, what do you think the other two or three, the other three shoot sounds were? Do you think they were actually using weaponry that uh the uh you know were they blown out of the sky basically do you have any i does anyone have any idea i mean how much i this I, I don't know i was it makes sense that they took out the warhead on the first one you know the the shoot down over uh myrtle beach yeah they wanted um, that technology and they but the thing is they had a lot of time you know they really had three four days to figure out what they're going to do and they decided look you know, this thing's up, you know, 70,000 feet. It's not going to get any real data on us and we'll just shoot it down when it's over the water. Um, you know, so there was no real, I guess, hurry in that case. They had, they had time to take out warheads out of the missile, you know, I think, yeah. normally, but these guys, the F-22s, I think the reason they're shooting is they're probably the ones with all the live weapons, you know, having live weapons is, is not a normal thing. Those are very, you know, explosive dangerous weapons normally we have training weapons so i think the f-22s they're probably just on alert to defend the you know that western uh, alaska airspace the aid is and so they probably just happen to have the the live weapons you know most likely the f-18s that showed up just didn't have you know live missiles on them so i would if i had to guess i'd say they're probably live because these other three shoot downs i don't i doubt they would have well i don't know they could probably make it happen i don't know how hard that is but I don't know if they had the time to really uh, take out the warheads. Well, one was an F-16, right? And yeah, that was a Duluth F-16. Um, yeah. These were F-22s and F-35s. I think I, I flew at Isleson Air Force Base actually uh, for four years. It was awesome. It's a you know two-mile-long runway for the uh, shuttle. But there's nothing here. You know, Ice Road Truckers. Have you yeah. ever watched that show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's this road. That's this road, Ice Road goes up through uh this range and then uh up to prudhoe bay so that's really mm -hmm. where they they shut it down essentially it was up by on that uh, right off the ice road truckers uh road 
Uh, I've had some crazy, uh, crazy trips up there. Wow. Yes, I, I should say to the person listening to the audio of this, if you want all these visuals, you're probably going to have to go over to the show notes. And actually, if you watch the video of this part, at least part of the show, you'll understand more of what we're talking about. A lot of this is graphic. But um, so so this the thing, as far as we know, Chris, um, is this the first thing? This is the first thing, the balloon last Saturday on the 4th, was the first thing that was shot out of the sky over U.S. Right? Yes. So in many years, in in like sixty-five years or something. I, I just learned that today. To be honest, I didn't know that. It's a, a very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else. Uh, what else there was shot out of the sky, really, over you the U.S. itself. Well, remember, okay, um, it's controversial, but there was the Battle of Los Angeles. Remember. Yeah, that was uh, that was before Roswell, though, right? Wasn't that? I believe that was. Uh, they 40, thought it might have been forty-two or something. Forty-one. I they can't. Thought remember. it could have been Japanese. Yeah, they thought it was Japanese, Japanese. attack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the world's foremost expert on that, of course, is David Marler That's right. in Albuquerque. So, yep. Uh, David's uh, David would be uh, all up on that, so he could tell you everything. Yeah, that was nineteen forty-two. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do shoot missiles all the time, to be honest. Um, usually over the water, they have test, you know, test. there's probably test sites over there. I bet Whiskey 122 may be where they actually employ weapons. <laughs> you know, maybe they're like, hey, it'll go right into this area. Why don't we just meet it there? So, I, I mean, we shoot a lot of weapons um, just for training, for practice. You actually have to use the missiles. I just found this out. If you talk to a, <laughs> my buddy's a Costa analyst, and actually, you have to pay. We pay millions of dollars to destroy old missiles. You know, twenty after yes. twenty years, whatever the contract is. Yep. So, I believe that. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'd like to do while we're all doing this show is I would really like to answer a lot of people have questions, and I'm going to say the people that are watching now. There's quite a few people on board. And if you uh, have a question, please go into chat and please use all caps so I can see your questions. But I think there are so many people out there. We want to know what the heck's going on. And I'm just like I said, this is a very fluid thing. This show may be tonight. We may be talking about this tomorrow. We may know everything. You know, that's very possible that could happen. So but it's uh, as far as what we really know is not a whole lot. And I'm wondering uh I guess I'll ask you, Chris, because you've been uh, involved in this type of thing. Um, do you think that we'll know, or do you think this is a matter of uh, national security and, and it will be, uh, I don't want to say covered up, but not revealed? Uh, so in my, my uh, video I released just uh, last hour, I basically say that um, I don't think any government or military will give up uh, actual 100% knowledge proof of alien technology. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think there's, there's too much to gain and, 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 you know, way too much to lose. Hmm. Yeah. So I just don't think no matter what, they're not going to do it if they can. I mean, I think we'd have to find out the information. You're going to have to pull it out of their hands. <laughs> you know, if, if it's there, they haven't, it hasn't come out in 80 years. So I see no reason why it would possibly change now. You know, I'm just, you know, well, you, you can't look back. History is no indicator of future success. And I'm like, well, we have nothing else to go on. Um, so I would say no. Um, I'm, I'm very 
optimistic. We have tons of information already just from the radio calls. I mean, already, the you know, it happened on Sunday. And yeah. look at the quality of video that I'm able to make only because I'm also I'm leveraging all the other YouTubers out there who are making excellent content. So I just watch their videos. I get more data, you know, so it's kind of like this neural network that we have now. You, I think that's you, where it's going to come from, from us. You're, uh, you're saying the key word, Chris, okay? And, and I hate to say this, but YouTube, okay? The bottom line here is that back when Roswell happened, we did not have the media that we have now. We had a sure. newspaper, yeah, right? And a phone that you dialed, yeah. right? Rotary. Okay. Yeah. Hit rotary, yeah. I got one in the closet. This is like a relic, okay? It's actually from an old battleship. Uh, it goes with the decor. So what, it, what to me it means is that when we look at uh, the current climate and the way information travels now, we get an incredible panoply of information. And because of this environment and the mechanisms to, to disseminate it, we also get a tremendous amount of false uh, <laughs> data and hoaxes. Like someone said, I saw one today, first shot, first shot of the uh, dead horse UFO. And it was like a daytime shot of the UFO lying in the ice. And I wrote, what's wrong with this picture? It's February in Dead Horse above the Arctic Circle. It ain't light out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's actually, it's, it's permanent. It's, it's semi, semi dusk, semi dusk the whole day. And then you get dark night. Okay. So, you know, that's hoaxers not thinking. So I said, science wins again, you know, that kind of thing, but either way. But the thing is with the, with the rapid with the rapidity of the media, the way it disseminates, uh, you know, uh, we will see things that we probably shouldn't. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I was working on a project for the Navy that I, uh, we were creating this, this object at the time. It was classified, and it was a flying object, and they were testing it in a lake in, in Idaho. Uh, and because there was a base in that lake, actually, that nobody knew about. Well, they were testing it there, and someone saw it flying, and they, they came down from the resort at the other end of the lake and started taking pictures of it. I got the pictures. I'm like, uh-oh, I know what this is. It's actually something that's it's no longer classified. In fact, they say it's no longer in, in play. It's called Project Cormorant, like the bird, the cormorant. Um, well, Project Cormorant was once something I was working on for the Navy. I was building engineering models of this. We call it the birdie. Well, I called the program office down in D.C., and I said, uh, guys, someone's taking pictures of the birdie. Uh, you know, and just to be fair – they're going to one one photographer is going to be get 10 more and five more after that and 16 more. Eventually they're going to take pictures that you don't want them to see. Just letting you know. And, and at first I told them they would, they would be confusing it with a UFO thing, which is why I got it. And they said, ah, good. Let them, let them think it's a UFO, right? Leverage it. Let it, let them think it's a UFO. And that's when I said, well, if they think it's a UFO, guess what? You're going to get many more people here tomorrow. <laughs> and that's probably not yeah. what you want. And I had a deafening silence that followed on the other end of the phone. And the next day I got a statement, which I disseminated to everybody and they all went home. Oh, it's one of ours. <laughs> and then they went home. Yeah. Hey, you know? I, I, I asked for questions. Boy, did they come in. So uh, hopefully we can go through them. Uh, at least some of them, you know, sort of quickly. Here's the first one here. Dr. Richard, could the cylinder have been a balloon? Any, any, anybody? Uh, if anybody? you look at the blimp, uh, the acorn sphere blimp, remember that? It's the F-18 pilot from the back seat took all those photos. I wish we uh, could have known whether it was vertical or horizontal. 
I mean, you would think a cylinder would be horizontal if it was some type of, you know, helium filter. Well, or it, it could also, vertical. it could also have been just, a, it could yeah. have been an oblong uh, pill shape too, and look like a cylinder, especially at high speed as you're passing it, right? Potentially. So it's possible that uh, it might have been a, a pill shaped thing, kind of like the Tic Tac, and we don't know whether it was vertical or horizontal. But could it have been a balloon? I would say yes, it, it could have been a balloon um, of some kind. I mean, I've seen balloons that are round on the top, round on the bottom, and and and, and are made from a section, a gore that a is actually gore. a cylinder. You know, I've seen that I put something up there. Yeah, what? sorry about that. Uh, yeah, there was one, uh, if you remember, the acorn blimp. Yeah. Oh, is that the one shot uh, out of the right side of the cockpit window? Yeah, right here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if you remember that, they took I do. this off the East Coast as well. It was uh, looked like that. I got th I got that case actually, and that when I analyzed it, I found that to be, uh, in all likelihood, a mylar balloon at altitude. Okay, so you think it is mylar? I do. Um, you know that was my 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 finding, and I said I was, I was ninety percent that it was a mylar balloon at altitude. I mean, it had all the all hallmarks. It had the wrinkles. It had the little. Uh, it even had the little pucker at the bottom for the filler valve and kind of a thing. And uh, these uh, things that's can close. Go pretty they can go pretty high in altitude, mylar. Yeah, they can, and they they'll they'll get. I mean, if you're ever taken a potato chip bag from 1,000 feet and gone up to, well, like say from Phoenix and gone to Flagstaff with it, that potato chip bag is really, really, really tight. And if you open it, it's gonna go boom because it's that air inside is at the ambient pressure that it was from Phoenix, right? Um, so as it goes up in altitude, okay, the pressure gets lower and that pressure is still pushing out and it pushes the bag out further. So the, yeah. the mylar balloons stretch and, and grow in the same way. They don't grow physically because they're not allowed to. They're not like latex, which stretches. Mylar doesn't stretch. Right. That's correct. Yep. But the wrinkles get really tight. Can it just, you know? wouldn't it just blow up at a certain altitude or not? It, it could possibly, you know, have a little, uh, you know, fissure in it and break. Yes. And they do. I mean, sometimes they'll pop and just go, boom, you know, and just fall. You know? So uh, another question here, could they have been a lighter than aircraft? Um, and what would that be like? That would also be like a blimp or something like that, right? Like a kite? I've seen some weird, you remember there's like this Pittsburgh NFL game and there's this strange kite yeah. object flying over. I mean, that... yeah, they, I think they did that on purpose, didn't they? To, uh, uh, to be controversial, was that the one at the game? No, I just remember uh, like some sort of uh, square sky kite. Um, it's maybe not a dirigible, but something like that could have. Yeah, I, 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 I again, it, it, but the answer, you know, the question is right. Could it have been? Yes, it could have. I mean, we can't say it's yeah. not. Um, you know, I, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident it could have been a balloon too. So this one is an interesting uh, question. What do you think of them shooting missiles at unknowns as a protocol? I think that could definitely get carried away myself. What does everyone else think about that? I don't know what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just texting with my, my fighter pilot buddy this morning, and we both think it's very weird. You yeah, know, we could in a check ride, you would if you shot something unidentified. I mean, if you're approved to shoot it, that makes sense. But just yeah. shooting something that's unidentified just seems very strange to me. I mean, listening to the engagement, I understand it. You know, I think they think it's a balloon. They're told to shoot this thing down. They're just going to they're going to take it down. 
And they um, want to make sure it's unmanned, first of all, right? Yeah. In a situation like that. Yeah, I think they know it's unmanned in the, the Lake Huron case because it's so small, right? You can't fit a person into yeah. that space. Unless <laughs> so and and lift them with that much helium. It could be a little tiny alien. You know, you don't know. Right. Yeah. But it's not a man that we know about. So yeah, I guess right. it doesn't count. Yeah. Poor, poor aliens. Okay. Yeah, but that's, but that's a good point, right? I mean, you, you, you think about this and, and, you know, helium has a certain lifting capacity. <laughs> Do you have any idea how much it takes to lift a person? Remember the guy that flew around in his lawn chair? Yeah. How many balloons did he have over his head? Uh, Probably 80, yeah. 83, yeah. two and a half, three foot balloons. Is that the guy on his couch? One guy went on his couch. Well, no, no, this, this was a guy in a chair. Actually, uh, he ended up, dying actually from the incident <laughs> yeah they don't all die though some of them no some yeah. actually survive to be yeah. darwin award winners later <laughs> <laughs> okay here's uh another one why did they why this one's to you chris why or why would they use un, un, unencrypted communications to carry out the shoot down <laughs> that's a good question yeah i mean communications are always difficult so it's always just a pain in the ass if if I'm sure in the future they will use encrypted comps. If I have to guess, after this, after the the Chinese balloon is shot, because they don't also don't want to give away their their tactics as well. Um, but it's difficult to get all the players on to the correct. You know, communications are always an issue. You know, as a as a YouTuber, now imagine if we're trying to keep this a secret conversation that no one can hack. You know, of course, Mark won't be won't have the correct codes. You know, something will happen. Uh -oh. and so softly, to, uh, talk like this so they can't read my my lips you know Shh, yeah. Chris. <laughs> you come so, from different bases if it's thrown together quickly you're not prepared to do war so you know in our normal daily training we don't they i'm guessing they're they don't use unencrypted so when they go to do the training now and adding all these different uh, elements but right. yeah i think looking at this now i think it's pretty obvious they should use encrypted were, were these air guard yes so it was a. Uh, uh, Duluth 148th fighter wing out of uh, okay. Minnesota. Okay, so the Air National Guard, um, unless it's, uh, I, I'm guessing here, but I would guess that it, it's unencrypted because that's how they carry on every day anyway. Uh, I don't think they use encrypted, right, during the regular training runs and so forth. They're probably not, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not. Uh, basically you just use code words uh you're not giving out uh, information you know but like uh if you had the the chinese if they happen to have which is legal by the way a fishing vessel that had a radar on it 13 miles off the coast then they can track all the airplanes and listen to the communication and now if i know your planes and, and now and i have the communication if i know location and communication now i can kind of put piece tactics together and such so mm -hmm. yeah i think it's i was kind of surprised to be honest that they that we got everything i yeah but it, i think for that is they're not used to it uh and the, they the people they needed to talk to weren't able to go encrypted it's probably what would happen chris how often do they change the code words are they always the same or do they change them out i mean that's where you get into comsec com security it's like the highest level of security you know I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know that information. And, oh, sorry. So normally it's changed out. You know, every day they'll change out 
There's different yeah. radios. We have anti-jam radios that change out. Then you have encrypted radios, which is just codes basically. But if they're from different bases, maybe they don't have the same codes put in. You know? Yeah. yeah. Huh. So uh, this person is worried about these events leading to a war and uh, wants an opinion. How likely could that be? Uh, I personally don't think it's, uh, you know, these are all unmanned and, uh, you know, things happen a lot when, uh, you know, we don't even get into a war when something's accidentally shot down, you know, and there's a live life uh, lost. So I, I don't believe this would lead, lead to war, but, you know, you never, you never know. Anyone want to give an opinion on that? Um, I think it'd be very stupid if it happened. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would have to say that, you know, uh, we have a long history of infiltrating China's airspace. They have a long history of infiltrating ours. Same thing with Russia. Okay. And remember Gary Powers being shot down in the yeah. U2? Mm. We didn't go to war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously things do happen. They're controversial, but the step to go to war is a very, very wide step. And I don't believe that that's one that would be taken lightly just because, you know, it wasn't going to be called the balloon war. 99 loof yeah. balloons, you know, <laughs> it's like, so I don't know. I don't think it would lead to war. To be honest, I think that that's a, I'm not just saying this to be comforting. I'm saying this because I, I think that as Chris just said, that'd be stupid to do that. <laughs> frankly, it really yeah. would over balloons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, like you just said, Mark, and I showed in again in my video was we had our own balloons, the Skyhook program. Yeah. That was back that's in right. the fifties and the forties oh, actually right. was the Skyhook. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had Genetrix. That's actually, we sent 540 balloons in 1955 uh, into China and yeah. Russia. And, and we only got back 10% of the balloons. Yeah, well, and they, they actually a lot used of them our too. equipment. They used it for their own space program. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a very good program, you know. Yeah, We're going to yeah. collect all these things. It, I, You know, I don't know. It seems kind of a, if, if they really know what they're doing, then they're feigning kind of uh, naivety. You know, they're basically just throwing these uh, these things up and saying, well, we don't know what they're doing. But they also look like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, one thing, too, is uh, the Chinese balloon that got shot down. How many of our parts were actually on this balloon? Um, I heard um, from some sources that I know that there were actually uh, a fairly a substantial number of American made parts on their spy balloon. And yeah, right. some of those companies, as a result, have been blacklisted as a result of this of this project of this <laughs> incident. And um, I looked up the government document the other day and found like 15 companies that because they supplied the products for the Chinese spy balloon, they were been blacklisted. So that's like, wow, talk about destroying your business overnight. Jeez. You know? Wow. Yeah. I never thought of that aspect. Chris, are you trying to bring up some more footage or is it you just uh, poking around? I was just bringing up the uh, the balloon again just to try and re reference it. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious about that that uh, third shoot down to really see what that one is. You know, do you, do you think, Martin, that the special forces, the Canadian government, the U.S., if they found some crazy alien technology, would they, would they relate it to us? Hmm. Well, I, 
I don't think so. I think it would it would take a long time. Uh, I I don't know. That's a really good question, but I think uh, I think if there's any point where it could be something that they couldn't explain, and uh, I think they'd be very very slow in releasing that. And I'd like to know what you think, Mark. I think the uh, on the Canadian side, um, I think for a lot of their technology, they rely on us. So I don't think they can try to evaluate this without us if it was to be something like that. So they they would consider themselves a partner and they'd rather be allied with us than not when it comes to something like this. So I have a feeling, again, gut feeling, that they would probably have to share it with us. And they may not want to, like Chris suggested, but I, I think that they would probably have to in the end in order to find out what it is. Hmm. Just a thought. And Chris, why don't you answer your own question? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I guess it comes down to Canadian uh, culture. Do you think that they're, if if Trudeau found, if they came to Trudeau and were like, this is uh, alien technology, you know, you live up in Maine. Do you, what do you think? Think the Canadians? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I, we have a better chance that it landed in Canada you just have more people there and there's more people at the murder, you know? So <laughs> there's more witnesses. So yeah. maybe uh, <laughs> something will happen, you know, if, or uh, I don't know. I, I tend to think, yeah, if maybe they will to actually tell us what's there. I don't know. I still can't believe it. Yeah. Here's another question that came in. Um, does, what do you think? Do you think we'll ever see this footage? Um, I think if it's something benign, it's possible, but, if it's something that still remains unexplainable and we don't know what it is, then probably not. I suspect that um, with the clearance world in play, uh, that all footage is going to be impounded. Uh, you know, as soon as the plane lands, that stuff gets offloaded. Uh, if it's not already off uh, onto a server, and it'll get encrypted at both ends, right? And then it's going to just be stuck there for review. Uh, and that's probably a very lengthy process. Um, having done some of that stuff, not with the Air Force, but with Navy side, uh, I know that it takes forever to get anything, even simple, uh, non-secret uh, stuff. It takes a long time to get it out of the Navy. So I imagine it'll, it'll come out someday, uh, especially if they're just balloons because there's nothing they use that nobody knows about. They know about aim nines. Okay. So they'll, you, they'll, they'll, they'll release that, I think, but um, the politics has to be right though. That's the thing. It's all comes down to, to politics too. You know, what are we going to get out of if we release this? What do we get for it? You know, do we get elected again? I mean, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know how to, so I don't know, but um I don't think there'll be uh, a real reason to keep it secret. You know, what do you think, Chris? I just, I don't think it will need to be kept secret, but they haven't released any footage. You know, all the footage we have was leaked essentially, or, I mean, I guess it was, yeah. but captured by him. <laughs> he it did it. Forced basically. I don't, I don't know. It seems like they got lucky. Lou Elizondo kind of got lucky getting those declassified, but yeah, I don't know. If, has it happened since? Have we gotten any footage of anything? Uh, we had some uh, footage from 
uh, of the ranch in Colorado that was released. Uh, and I got to look at that stuff. And none of that stuff was convincing to me. And okay, I'm skeptical, but I'm also open-minded. And uh, my skepticism drives the analysis. I'm not going to go into an analysis, right, and say, this is probably a UFO. I can't wait to say it's a UFO. You know, I have to go in saying, I don't know what this is, but I have to figure out what it is. And I'm going to remove all the knowns. And if the knowns can't be removed, well, then too bad. That's the way the cookie crumbles. You know, so I don't know. Here's a uh, here's a, a statement here. Hello, Martin. I heard on the news today that one of the UAP was metallic. Are the guests aware of that? I, I, I haven't I heard he it. I said metallic in the... Uh, because uh, he gets a glint. That's what I heard in the Lake Huron. He said, yeah, I can tell it. I think it's metallic because it glints off the sun. But that and, also could be mylar too, right? Yes, and it could also be a regular weather balloon. A weather balloon will also glint given the right conditions. I've seen a regular weather balloon look like a point of light in the sky. But it's a weather balloon. And it just happens to... If, see, the, the weather balloons, the, the material they're made of can reflect like glass under the right conditions. Right, there's they're dull white. You think, well, those won't reflect light, but they do. All right, and depending on what type of a weather balloon it is, you can get more or less of a glint. And I've seen those balloons look just like big metal uh, teardrops in the sky, and they're not. They're actually this very very thin material that's actually completely clear, but they do glint like glass under the right conditions. Yeah, if you uh, share, let me share the screen here, Martin. Well, anyway, sure you bet. Whoops. Let's see. There we go. Yeah, this is just our our weather balloon at a, at a distance, and yeah, you can see it kind of reflecting the sun from the top, and it looks to yep. me looks kind of like a tic tac. You know, it, it sometimes it does have a. Oh, I see, because it's white at the top like that, really bright. Yeah. Yeah, you'll it see. Is, it's changing yeah. in shape slightly, too, as it as it moves in the wind. You know, it squashes and goes round again, squashes and goes round as it's going up in the air. I, I know, think it should be identifiable, though. Um, yeah. When they shoot these things down, they've probably already recovered a lot of the debris. I would imagine they would have recovered a lot of the debris by now. So they will know whether these things, you know, they're talking about it looked metallic, but they'll know whether it was metallic or not by the debris itself. Um, but I still wonder what type of weaponry they used, if it was, uh, you know, an explosion or if it was, again, like a, a harpoon type of situation. I heard there was two missiles on Lake Huron. Did, did you guys hear that as well? I haven't seen actual... I, I have not heard anything about the uh, Huron other than, you know, the stuff you you see on Facebook and other places like that. And I, I treat that with a grain of salt. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So I don't want to say that there was more than one missile. But if it's such a small target, like you kind of mentioned there, uh, Martin, if you don't hit it, you know, if you don't spear it, that's why we have fuses. So they have a proximity sensor that will actually explode. And so mm -hmm. it sounds like it just didn't fuse most likely on that little tiny balloon, you know, if that's, or whatever it is, object, <laughs> I said balloon, he called it a balloon, but if it didn't fuse, then you may need a second missile. 
Chris, there's a, a question here. Are there alternative methods to shooting down, you know, objects like these uh, other than using a, a fighter jet? There must be, world? right? <laughs> yeah, there must be. Think so. Yeah. I, well, didn't we used to actually capture, you know, the Skyhook? Couldn't you get it with a C-130? Like 20,000 yeah. feet. You definitely we get had a that big spread, it had those big spread arms. They can actually fly right into the balloon uh, uh, wires and, and capture it. I think we, this is before space, you know, because you think about it, you look back, you, you know, we didn't, until the 60s, right? No one had been into space. And so until that, then it was balloons. So high altitude b balloons was the only game in town getting up to space, right? Right. Uh, but then when we went to space, it's kind of, we just totally forgot about balloons. We're like, okay, whatever, forget it. Yeah. And so I think it's just coming in now because it, it I think you're going to go to space in a balloon before you go to space in a rocket. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be more important in the future militarily and for civilians. Well, if you think about it too, okay, uh, what's the value of going up to 70,000, 60,000 feet um, and looking down at the earth? The value is that you're not at 252 miles, <laughs> okay? And you're actually like 20 to 22 times closer to the planet. And uh, I was working on a, a satellite project where a satellite from orbit could recognize your face, Chris, and see you from space, okay, and really? recognize you as a human. I've, I've seen the footage. I've seen it. I worked on that project as a I was a model maker from and making engineering models, but I saw the results and how it could how it could work. License plates from space at an oblique angle, looking through the air, they could read them off the backs of cars or the fronts of cars. Wow. Okay, that's from space. Now, if you're at 60,000 feet with a technology just slightly less than that because it needs to be light, um, you've got the world at your disposal. You have loiter time that's days long, not just timed in seconds, okay? All right? And you have the ability to be that much closer, so you don't need the highest resolution to get a very superior image to your satellite, all right? And that's uh, – so there is a place for a balloon spying, Right, in, in my view, and I think that uh, I think we've encountered a very public version of it. I think they've been doing it before, but now everyone's looking up. I looked up when I was yeah. coming home tonight. I was like, oh, <laughs> I see any balloons, you know? Yeah, you know, one of the questions that I've heard out there, and I wondered if uh, either one of you have heard it, is why are they why would they use such primitive technology? We're talking, let's go back to the Chinese balloon itself, you know, why would they use? such primitive technology to surveil uh either one of you want to take that well, and yeah. by the way just in in uh two minutes here we're going your audio is cutting out there yeah i'll just uh, uh basically like mark mentioned uh is that uh, balloons give an advantage actually we, we just kind of went to satellites but like uh, exact Mark, I think what you're saying is a low Earth orbit, right? So a low Earth orbit satellite's going to go by really quickly. I don't know yes. a minute or how long it takes for an actual low Earth orbit to go by. You could you, know, you like when you watch the ISS go by, it's 252 miles up, and by the time you call out your kids onto the front lawn to see it, yeah. it's already halfway through its its pass. So it's going to be maybe. Uh, that's that particular guy, maybe 25 seconds, 35 seconds at the most. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And exactly. that's that's a lower that's a LEO, low Earth orbit object. But if you actually put something out at geosynchronous orbit, that's twenty two thousand miles away, Whoa, and it can okay. sit over the same spot all day and all night. And we do we have tons of them out there. But you well, can't however, read license plates from that one, right? You can't read license plates from there. Okay. You can't see okay. right. You can't get yeah. the same resolution. That's exactly right. Yep. So you yeah. can read a license plate, but it's like you're going by, right? It's like eh. there it is. And yeah. now you got to wait 90 minutes to see it again if it's still there. But in a balloon, you can loiter all day. And this particular balloon actually had, from my understanding, it had solar panels for power, and it had motors with propellers, yeah. so it oh, could actually so it could actually maneuver that. itself. Yeah. That's or what I saw. It's, or stay in one place. Yes. Well, it's fighting the jet stream, so I have, I have yeah, it's very have little expectation. Problem. Now, was no. it at 60,000 feet? Are you in the jet stream at that point? I, I think that you're still you subject easily. to the jet stream. Hmm. Okay. Well, I want to say goodbye to everyone over there at KGRA Radio. We'll be back next week with Julie Olson about a 1982 <laughs> UFO encounter with actually debris. We're going to be talking about that next week. So uh, thank you over at KGRA Radio. And if you two don't mind, continue on continuing a little bit longer i know chris what time in the morning is it over there <laughs> it's almost one i woke up at six one. yeah i'm tired yeah. really tired but uh, yeah i can go i can go a few more minutes yeah okay <clears throat> yeah um so i'm gonna look to see um i think there's been some really good questions tonight i really appreciate everyone in chat and we have a, a good uh, uh sizable audience out there today and uh i i thought there would be uh, a, a lot of people really interested in this and I don't think there's anyone here on this little mini panel that we have that's saying that these are aliens or, uh, you know, extraterrestrials of some kind. Um, but I, I think, um, I do think though, the one thing I guess when I was thinking about the shoot downs is, okay, if a typical say there's so many sightings a day, I understand NORAD sites about 10,000 items, you know, objects a day to identify them, things like that. But uh, like to say a bona fide, peaceful alien comes in. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, if... oh, can't hear you. Yeah, we Martin, can't hear you, Martin. Martin, Sorry, Martin has out. censored himself. It's cutting out. Yeah, the government, right. the government okay. censored you, Martin. It's okay. We know the truth. Yeah. We know the truth. <laughs> Are you able to hear me now? Yes. Okay. Basically, what I just said is uh, if uh, if we are shooting down everything and, you know, these objects people are seeing like the Tic Tac or whatever they're seeing, you know, coming into the atmosphere and people are... Yeah, exactly. No, I think I get your question. Yeah, cut out again. But... Um... I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess first thing is if you look at all the accounts from the Foo Fighters and it just looks right. like you're not going to be able to shoot these things down. Uh, at least all the all the things I've seen, if it's if it's really is, if it's real aliens, Tic Tacs, etc. I mean, you're not going to shoot it. Uh, and then if you look at the Foo Fighters, the bullet just went right into them. Yeah. So I, I, I'd be surprised that we're able to shoot it down. But honestly, if it, if it really is an alien spacecraft and can, can come here, uh, but let's know. say that they can't get out of the way, it does hit them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think shooting at everything that we can't identify is a good way to go. I guess. Yeah, I don't think I'm, any kinetic weapons are going to, you know, 
be able to do that much damage. Thermal weapons and, you know, hurling lead. I mean, um, I think after thousands of years of uh, evolution beyond us, that's something they would have been able to work through because they have to deal with that kind of thing on the journey here from there, wherever they are. There's a, a micrometeoroid is basically like a piece of, you know, flying lead, actually, like a bullet going through them. And it would go right through the craft if, if it was. a. Right. You know, so they have to deal with all this stuff. If you two can hear me, I'm going to run and get another. If you can continue on without me, I'm going to run and get another mic. No problem. But I, yeah, I think that being said, though, is if you look at Roswell, it was a radar basically, right? That's what they say is a, is a radar. Or if you think of uh, nuclear weapons, maybe like an, an EMP could yeah. cause some issues. But if you look at like a missile, a missile goes Mach 3, let's say. These things are going Mach 36, you know, if it's to be counted correctly. So, you know, it'd be like <laughs> it'd be like getting hit by something that runs slower than you, you know, and dying, you know, like something. Yeah, uh, so, I, I think yeah. I, there's a I do a talk all over the country. And in fact, I've got several of these scheduled for the next couple of months. And I actually talk about uh, some advanced physics methodologies that could be in play. Um, that an advanced species could use that could actually get them to uh, be here or there. Uh, and it's, it's an interdimensional theory that actually is not science fiction. It's actually deals with string theory and a particular variant of string theory called Randall syndrome one, where you actually have our four dimensions and then you have a fifth dimension and that fifth dimension is a highly warped location. And if you can get into that fifth dimension, you can effectively punch out of XYZ moving through time, go into this fifth dimension, then punch in anywhere else you want. And as fantastical as that sounds, and as silly and science fiction-y as that sounds, it turns out that there's actually a real basis to this. And it has to do with, with um, particles that at the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, they're actually studying right now. <clears throat> These are called Kaluza-Klein particles. And um, I know an aerospace engineer and several physicists who are, you know, right on board with this concept of, hey, this is probably how they're going to do it. If they can get here from there, they're going to punch out their space and punch into ours hmm. and not have to travel the intervening space in between through this. That's pretty interesting stuff. But one other point, I guess, that, that I thought of is um, still old technology does tend to work, you know, like uh, – with all of our fancy weapons and all of our fancy <laughs> systems and radars and everything, uh, bullets are still the primary weapon. You know, yeah. so bullets are, are still going to work. They work very well. And if you look at in the the wars, look in Iraq and Afghanistan, how we effectively lost was from improvised explosive devices. So just very rudimentary explosive devices, but they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They're simple. You know, so I think. That's why that's why we're going the mass uh, camera route. It's just passive sensors. You know, we want thousands of simple passive sensors mm -hmm. uh, to try and correlate that data together. You know, so the idea is simple, but if you mass, you know, decentralize over many thousands of, of units, um, maybe we can break through. So even if they have amazingly advanced technology over us, I, I still want to push to test. You know, we still want to see if we can get through. I agree with that because most likely uh, they're using technology that at one point or another takes them outside our ability to see what they're doing, quote unquote, 
uh, because they moved into that fifth dimension, say. Now, if that is what happened, and if that's really what's happening, and, and again, string theory has to be proven before they can actually say that that's true. They have to have a okay. test that can even prove string theory first. Uh, that's correct. And then that's, but um, that's what the Large Hadron Collider they're working on over there, especially with these KK particles that they're doing, the Kaluza-Kline particles. Well, anyway, okay. um, the whole point here is that at some point, uh, entering our dimensions and leaving our dimensional space, uh, they leave going each way what I call skid marks. Okay, yeah, funny funny name. Every 15-year-old loves me. Okay, but these <laughs> skid marks are, um, are the signs that they're transitioning to and from one place to another. Uh, example, um, when they transition out of our dimensional space, we might see a burst of gamma rays. Okay, when they transition in, we might see a similar burst of gamma rays followed by uh, an infrared signature, followed by potentially a high energy signature in the ultraviolet end. Okay, and then they'll manifest to be seen with our equipment, right? Uh, even easier. So um, that's the kind of thing that I was after in when we were working with Doug Trumbull, you know, to try and do this, this UFO detection system. Had he not passed, we would have been doing it. So, um, you know, Jacques Vallée was kind enough to introduce me to Avi Loeb. Uh, but I worked with Avi in a couple projects before this, and so I know him. And he's trying to do a similar thing. And, again, using high tech to try and detect these so-called skid marks of an advanced species that might be utilizing our near space. Hmm. That's Very cool. I think that's where, where it is, right? I mean... And if everyone has one of these, everybody has one of these, okay, these can be leveraged into doing some amazing things as well. You can actually detect gamma rays with this thing. Did you know that? There's a gamma ray detector that you can put on your iPhone, believe it or not. It reminds me of UAPX where they detected uh, Terra in the Sky. They detected that uh, muon. They had a a 43-megawatt muon detection, and that queued up their optical UFO DAP system. And that's where they caught the the tear in the sky. That's interesting, yeah, kind of similar. From the movie Tear in the Sky? Yep, from the movie Tear in the Sky. That's Carolyn's movie. I was just talking to her the other day uh, because she's doing another one, and I'm in that one. We're going to be talking about that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I interviewed her. It was a great interview. She mentioned uh, that movie, but she couldn't release any more details about it or something. She couldn't talk about it. How long ago was that? A month, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. We're assembling equipment now for the next one. That's what we're doing right now. So, Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, you're going to have a lot more interviews with her. I can tell you that. (laughs) So, any theory? Here's a question. Uh, Any theories on? Well, first of all, is my audio working? It should be working, right? Yeah. Is there any theories on why these balloons were traveling at a relatively low altitude? Uh, 60,000 feet is, uh, that's kind of a high altitude for uh, traveling for a, a balloon, but 40,000, um, I guess you'd consider that a low altitude. And I don't know if the question is uh, because of the, there's more of a visual at that point. I mean, really at 40,000 feet, if it's a car-sized balloon, you probably won't see it, right? Yeah, but still, okay, keep in mind that for me, okay, if we consider this traveling at relatively low altitude, uh, how do we know that balloon wasn't transitioning to a higher altitude? Okay, if it's a balloon, they're going to keep climbing until they reach that equilibrium point, okay? 
And that equilibrium point will be the weight of the mass, the whole mass they have, plus the buoyancy that the balloon gives. And they could technically reach a, a, a neutral buoyancy position where they'll just float at a certain altitude, right? So, but I don't know for sure whether these, we, this is so early in the game. We don't know whether these, this, that 40,000 one was translate, transiting to a higher altitude at that point. We still don't know that. Uh, it well, could have been. True. Yeah. I think they were going the other way. I think descending. Because you're the other way down, yeah. Because like ours, our, our helium balloon, the one we sent up up to 110,000 feet, and then it blew up. You know, we didn't want it to go very far. But right. if we didn't, if we put in less helium, because we were very concerned, right? So we overfilled it. Uh, that was probably the biggest concern was that it wouldn't go high enough <laughs> to explode. And so what would happen then is it would just float around in the stratosphere and and slowly descend as it's leaking yeah, out it's helium. Leaked out helium, yeah. Yep. So I think these are probably actually on the way down. Like that balloon, the Chinese balloon, the spy balloon that was shot down at 60, you know, the spy balloon at 64,000 feet, it was probably much higher earlier uh, as it was crossing over the U.S. And that may have been why they elected not to shoot it maybe earlier. It's, you know, a lot more difficult at 100,000 feet uh, than 65. Do you think we're going to see? an idea. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, we'll we'll eventually get. I'm sure the details on its altitude profile and what it did. Go ahead, Martin. I'm Are sorry. You, no, uh, do you think that we're going to continue to see shoot downs? Either one of you? <laughs> if they keep incur doing these incursions and probably, you know, I mean, they're using it for political points too. keep in mind. Right. I mean, we got to be yeah. careful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I think it, they're probably not, it's probably not necessary. You know, I think they'll, my feeling is that uh, they've been a little trigger happy or maybe the consensus is they've been too trigger happy. Yeah. Like, you know, you probably didn't need to shoot down any of the balloons, to be honest. Um, you could have tried to track them. Well, know, what about, what about the Chinese balloon in particular? Um, because, you know, the Chinese were touting off that this thing was just a weather balloon. And if we did not shoot it down, we wouldn't and recover, then we wouldn't be able to say, "Hey, look, you know, you have egg on your face." This or yeah. egg foo young, as someone said, uh, because you know now you have to explain uh, why this. You were saying it was a weather balloon, and it's not. You were surveilling us. Brinksmanship, in a word, uh, it's it's how governments interact with each other at the public level, right? Uh, they're going to complain and say that we violated this, that, and the other thing. How dare you shoot down our balloon that we are flying over your country? And how long would our balloon last flying over their country? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wasn't there something like that? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And they just shot one down, actually. I don't know if it was ours, but they did just shoot another one down. Oh. So they're coming from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and there's probably some little alien somewhere going, hey, Targ, let's set up another one. Okay, man, there we go, right there. You know, yeah. It's a weather balloon. They stole my weather balloon, Mommy. <laughs> I love that graphic. Dean, my friend Dean sent that me that to me I this morning. I think it's morning. good, though. And someone said, here's the pilot. The We're going to be interviewing the pilot to the balloon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just great. Yeah. He's I saw uh, that movie. No way he's smiling. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no way he's smiling too. I saw it too. Yeah. Uh, but I, they, I for, did you see I they made a UAP task force? I forgot about that, Mark. What'd you say, Chris? I'm sorry. Did you see they made a UAP another UAP task force now? Oh yeah, like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This, so. Or the a balloon task force is that what it's going to be? 
All right. Is it a uh, balloon test force? I, I don't know. All I saw was a, yeah, a new that's right. task force. I'm not sure. You know, I'll tell you what's interesting. He said, okay, uh, that, is that Blinken or whoever that is? Who is that guy? Uh, uh, this is John Kirby. Oh, it's Kirby, right, Kirby. Yeah. Kirby stated, uh, which I thought was really interesting, he said uh, when asked the question, literally asked the question, could these be alien spacecraft? I mean, he should have said, oh, I, I, I would absolutely not think so or something like that. But no, he said, at this point, we don't know what they are. It's like, wow. Well, that's interesting, you know, because the, the terms – alien spacecraft or extraterrestrial craft were in that previous sentence. And he said, we can't say what they are because we don't know. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I pulled a, uh, there was a headline that I did pull uh, about that. What do you, you want to turn that up, Chris? Uh, no, I was just playing yeah. it. Um, it yeah. Just interesting that they made this task force now. Yeah. I'm curious to see. So I, I think there'll be, I think there's other ways to track these objects. You probably don't need to shoot them down. Uh, we can probably capture them using other methods. But yeah, I don't know. It was good to see. I, I think I was impressed with all the pilots' actions. You know, they were definitely they did their job. Yeah, um, and so. But the only thing that that concerns me also is, uh, you know, maybe this won't lead to a war or whatever, but. Could this lead to, uh, you know, more surveillance? I mean, do you think that this is going to continue on or do you think this has always been going on and we're just discovering it? I think we've always known it's been there. I think that it won't stop and I think it's just going to continue. We surveil them. They surveil us. Okay. The Russians watch the two of us and the two of us watch them and it, it it's ongoing. Everyone's watching everybody else. It's the game of spycraft. And that, and honestly, um, it's actually comforting to know that everybody's watching each other, okay, to be honest with you, because it means that we'll know if something really, really bad is about to happen because someone's going to be able to give it away, you know. So in a way, I hate to say it that way, but it's, it's kind of comforting, you know. We're not the only game in town. Certainly, we have plenty of technology. Uh, we are probably the most feared country in the world. Um, and we do have the most technology. And we have the most capability. We're the largest standing army in any of any army on the planet. Okay? And that has to do with all the people that have guns of their own. You know? So, I don't think we have to worry about um, an attack uh, on our, on our landmass. I mean, Red Dawn would never happen. Not in the current situation. That's my feeling. So I think that uh, we're pretty secure in that way, but I do think that there's a lot of people that are um, uh, a little trigger happy in the government, you know, and we got to rein them in for sure. Now this comment, supposedly they haven't recovered anything other than the first Chinese balloon. Are either one of you, have either one of you read anything along these lines? I mean, I would think that didn't something go down on an ice mass? And it seems yeah, like he was talking about that. Dead horse up in Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, on the north. Yeah. It's on, the, on the sea ice. It seems like that would be a slam dunk for recovery. Yeah. I was, uh, I meant to look up the weather. I haven't. But if it's clear, you should be able to just drive out there and find it. 
they did say that weather was a factor hmm. uh, out there. So, oh, I see. Uh, yep. Or, and of course, don't it's forget it's, it's dark. <laughs> okay, it's not like it's daytime out there. You know, it's going to be dusk at the minimum, dark at the most. You know, for most of that time. Do yeah, we actually have lasers? Do, do either one of you know? Do we have lasers that could actually? Uh, work for for something like this that was the first thing i thought of was the airborne laser i would yeah that's a great idea mitch you, i mean you're not you're not wasting a, a six hundred thousand dollar missile if you miss if you're shooting with a laser i'm sure there's you know i mean there's great amount of energy to produce the laser that would do something uh but that's that's all you're really uh using is the energy part of it well yeah, I don't know. In, in hawaii and on mauna kea uh, they they routinely beam a green laser to the moon to hit the retroreflector array, which was made at my university, by the way, and bring back the signal so they could make, gauge the distance to the moon. Okay, um, that green laser is not high power, but you do have a problem of beam divergence. The farther out the beam goes, the wider it gets, and it spreads more. So, if you're going to pack a punch, you have to pack a punch that can work in a diverged beam too, because by the time it gets to the balloon. It's not going to be a beam this wide that can slice through your head, okay? It's going to be a beam that's uh, is possibly a foot or more wide. So it's going to have to have a lot of energy and a lot of good collimated light and good weather. You have to have clean, crisp uh, air between you and that balloon in order to get that energy beam there. So can it be done? Sure. We have, we have energy weapons of sorts uh, mm. right now, you know, that we can use. But uh, lasers are that's kind of tough. You could just beam a laser on it, sure. You know, if it was here, I would have tempted, I would have been tempted to take one of my argon lasers and try and light it up, you know. But Chris, I, this question's for you. If they used the sky blue balloons, would they be harder to shoot down? Don't they take a lock on like an object through radar or do they do it visually? Yeah, that was the kind of the issue I was talking about is they had radar locks most of the time, and their missile could see it in their targeting pod, but they couldn't see it with their eyes until oh, it was I too late. Yeah, it was too small. Right. Um, so, yeah, they couldn't see it anyway, you know, the, the one over Lake Huron. <laughs> so if you painted it blue, yeah, maybe it's even harder to see. I don't think it would have mattered. It was still difficult. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, it matters, obviously. If you look at the planes, you know, in Alaska, we had these white and black painted jets and in the winter those things would just disappear staring down you know but in the summer you could see them see them pretty easily look down so yeah it does matter yeah they can should. i uh yeah. can i show uh uh my screen a little bit here martin can i uh yeah, yeah. can yeah. i share some yeah sure uh, oh you have a you know how to share a screen on that mark yeah i am i'm just trying to uh uh you go down under uh present down and and below. Yeah, Meanwhile, I'm pop up this. Uh, the only way to shoot them Please. down lasers for blasting them with radar. I don't think blasting them with radar would do anything. Um, that that would be if it was under some type of electrical control or something. And if it's a balloon, it's not going to do anything. No, the radar the radar would just bounce off. You see, yep, we got an echo. <laughs> Here it is. We see it. Yeah. Um, Mark, are you are you able to share your screen? Yeah, I just got so many screens here. Where the heck these come from? I mean, let me find them. Let me just look at this. There has been supposed many shoot uh, crashes, at least. 
right? Supposed crashes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, is, yeah, I is... mean, oh, here you go. Okay. I'm going to yeah. add this now, Mark. Yeah. This is the rumored image of the recovery of the Chinese balloon. Are you rumored. saying you don't think it's a real image? Uh, is this another Roswell thing? <laughs> this, this to me, it looks almost too planned. <laughs> okay. It looks almost too planned and, and too perfect. So I'm not sure if this is a real thing. I'm just letting you know that this is what's out there as the rumored uh, recovery uh, image for that balloon. Well, I just happened to be on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a boater, so you would know. Yeah, I am. And, uh, you know, I was under the objects, and I just happened to be on that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, interesting. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, that's it. That, that's uh, So let me uh, – uh, I'll stop that. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, I've had a wonderful night with you guys. Um, I, I guess I'd like to close with, um, you know, uh, do you think, I don't know, do you think we're going to know uh, what the heck's going on or do you think this will just continue a mystery? I don't know. Why don't we start with you, Chris? I, I think already we've learned a, a lot of information and they seem actually kind of transparent, at least, to give initial information. You know, they talk about Northern Command. They talk about the radars. So I don't know. I'm optimistic that we'll that we'll continue to, to get more information, but we'll see. I think they better come out. See, we're very we're very ephemeral about everything. You know, I mean, you have to search for the war in Ukraine. You have to look for something that's really dramatic. But we 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 were going a million miles an hour with our information and get bored with things really fast. Uh, I've been afraid that's going to happen with the UFO topic, UAP topic in general when it comes to the government paying attention to it and all that. But uh, I, I don't th I think that if there's two things I personally think they may stay quiet about it and then it may just kind of fade away. Uh, or if if they get it out and the transparency, they better do it pretty quickly. Uh, what do you think, Mark? I, I think that uh, just like with the Nimitz incident stuff, uh, it took many, many, many years before this stuff hit the light of day. However, now that it has, and now that people are tuned to it, and now that mass media is picking it up, now that Tucker Carlson is having uh, UFO folks on his show all the time, all right. And, and Joe Rogan is having people that are talking about it all the time. Uh, I have a feeling that the information is going to move faster. And I think that we're going to see uh, a lot more of this coming out. I think that the government, they may try to keep it secret. Um, and, you know, certainly the, the folks in uniform will do so. But you're going to have people that are going to be seeking the truth. And they're going to they're going to be like pit bulls. And uh, they're going to find out everything. There'll be people out there digging for, for answers. And I know that we're going to see more. And I, I think that the government's going to have to play ball at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I hope so, too. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, guys, really. It's really been a lot of fun. This has been a great time. And thank you so time. much, for both of you, for taking the time. I appreciate it. So uh, how can they... Chris, you have a great active channel, and uh, I was lucky enough to be the first guy to interview you on UFOs, yes. and I've been on your show uh, a couple of times. It's been a lot of fun, and you've 
you've really grown that YouTube channel. You do a wonderful job. Tell everyone how to get your, your uh, channel. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Uh, just my name, Chris Lato or uh, Lato Files. You can also search for that. But yeah, I appreciate all that. I, I appreciate all your mentorship, Martin. Uh, it's been great, you know, because you called me initially, right when I uh, made my first video about uh, UAPs and you said, hey, and you want to be on my UFO show? You know, yep. And I had to think about right. it. And it, it took, I took a few yeah. days to think about it. You remember, I didn't get back to you right away. That's right. That's right. And that that's was the thought funny. was, you know, yeah. it, and that's where the stigma, I was kind of scared. And I was like, you know what, whatever, you know, I'm going to say what I, what I believe is. Well, no? you know, are you glad you did? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Or are you I'm done? Saying. Are you down there? Is that correct? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's happy he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been excellent. Yeah. Very exciting. Super interesting. Yeah. Very yeah, exciting. it's a yeah. great topic. And Mark, uh, you have Sky Sky Tour, and it's a you do things Sunday night is mostly or a lot more than well. That. Okay, the the radio show is Sunday night Sky Tour Radio, uh, yeah. and that's six to eight p.m. Eastern. However, uh, we also have Sky Tour live stream, which is our observatory stream, uh, and we have our remote observatory out in the Arizona desert, which I run from here in Connecticut, and we show people the night sky, beautiful things. Uh, we have a wonderful Patreon crowd. We have wonderful subscribers of all kinds who just come from all over the world. Uh, we have people from China, Mexico, Indonesia, Japan, uh, all over Bulgaria. Uh, and, and they come in and they spend evenings with us to actually look at these gorgeous objects unfold in seconds. Because I took the time to do this right, I think. We uh, have a telescope that can, uh, it's actually, this deal, it's only one of its kind on the planet right now. It's a prototype. Um, and, uh, it pulls in things and sky objects 25 times faster than a normal scope of its kind. So in seconds, we see these beautiful, stunning objects, including tons of satellites. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, you know, um, that's, that's skytourlive.org. Uh, skytourlive.org. I've been called the UFO matchmaker by uh, Paul Hynek and people like that. So I'd like to matchmake you two guys, Chris. Uh, please invite Mark on your show Perfect. sometime. It would be a great show, you two together. Yeah, be great. yeah definitely, Mark. I very much enjoy that. I'm putting you yeah. right on the right on the spot. So, <laughs> no, that's great. So, anyway, no, thank you so much, and uh, Chris, get some rest. And uh, thank oh, you yeah. all so much. It's it was two uh, in the morning for you now. Yeah, yeah, it was it's really a lot, a lot of fun. All right, take care. Nice to meet you, Chris. All right, guys. See you, Mark. Bye. See you on. Uh... Bye. Bye, bye, Mark. You take care. Okay. See you later, Martin. Thank you. All right. Sure. You bet. All right, everyone. So next week we have uh, Julie Olson about a 1982 uh, UFO encounter and check us out. Remember it worked for me. Keep your eyes to the sky.